You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jennifer Dunn, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Jennifer. Thank you, Queen, for holding me down. This is your first time co-hosting. So uh, glad to have you here, if you will, Queen. Um, if you will, say hello to the truth seekers before we introduce our guests and before we let the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion question. But if you will, just say hello to the truth seekers. I know you're calling us, I think, from the DMV area, if I'm correct with that. But how are you doing this morning, Queen? Good morning. And I want to say hello, and I'm excited to be able to co-host for the first time with you and excited to have and talk about cultural uh, competence and cultural relevance for, for parents. No, absolutely. And I'd like to welcome our. Are you good, Queen? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just going to say I'm excited to talk to our our guests as well today. No, absolutely. Let's go ahead. This morning's discussion question: Culturally relevant education. What can parents do? Culturally relevant education, what can parents do? If you are a first-time listener to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, we do our shows in the form of a question. And so the idea is if we ask the right questions, maybe we can get to the right answers. And as Jennifer alluded to, we have some special guests who are highly knowledgeable in this area and can literally help us get to the answers for any parents out there wondering, you know, what can or what might you do? Uh, because if you, as I mentioned on some of the promotions, this uh, actually uh, a video I just po- posted to parents and said, hey, get on this show. Um, this is really a part two to a show we did just a couple of few weeks ago. Um, is public education beneficial or detrimental to African-American children? And the um, educators that we had on at that time said ultimately their grade was pretty bad for public education and what it does for our black children in particular. And so with that said, our Guest, special guest, without further ado, um, I'll start with you, Queen Aminata Umoja. How you doing, Queen? Thank you for being with us. Um, if you will, Queen, say oh, hello. Oh, I'm doing great. 
No, absolutely. Um, so if you will, give them a little yeah. bit of your background, Queen. Thank you for being with us. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy, Montoya, that you've asked me to be with you. I uh, am Aminata Umoja. I've been an educator for 42 years, started in Los Angeles, worked for Atlanta Public Schools, and now I am the founder of Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute in um, Decatur, Georgia. We are a full day school. Um, we service children from preschool to the eighth grade. I'm also a member of the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement and First African Church. And the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, First African Church, helped us open the school. So they were a part of the founding of the school. Um, let me see if there's – oh, I'm also a consultant. And we do a session on the culturally relevant classroom. So if you have your children in a school and they don't know how to teach culturally relevant lessons, we literally go out and do that work. Okay? Hopefully that's enough. No, that's that's absolutely enough. And it definitely, again, makes you an expert on this morning's discussion. And then without further ado, Charleston Harrison, Harris, I'm sorry, Charleston Harris, sorry about this, um, King. If you will, introduce yourself and give people your background before we get this morning's show started. Hello. Good morning, everyone. I'm Charlton Harris. I am the current owner-operator. I'm second generation here at MLTEP Academy. Uh, my parents are two of the three founders of this school, and we were founded uh, pre-K through currently eighth grade to make sure that there was a culturally um, relevant place where children had the option to be educated and were expected to excel to the top of their ability. Um, We've been in business since 1993, so we're currently in our 28th academic year. We'll be starting our 29th academic year this this year in Atlanta, um, and it's a pleasure to be on with you guys this morning. No, absolutely. Both of your schools are highly respected here in the Atlanta area. Um, Jennifer, again, thank you for calling to this morning. Um, but um, before I start the way I normally start, which is um, um, just a quick question before we go to our first break, but Jennifer, if you will. Tell some of your background as well, because you are the founder of uh, Beautiful, uh, which basically, you know, details uh, um, presenting culturally relevant information, I think, to public schools. But, you know, I don't think that's all that you do. But if you will, share the information, because that's why I asked you to co-host for the first time. Again, I like to bring people on these shows who are a little smarter than myself about whatever yeah. subject matter we're discussing. And, and, and you definitely fit that bill, if you will, Queen. But, you know, share a little bit about what you're doing with um, Beautiful. Yes, um, thank you. You're so kind. Um, so Bunafu is a e-learning company. It's Bunafu Learning for Life. It's an e-learning company, and we provide um, services, cultural relevant services um, for underrepresented populations, such as African American, Latino, both adults and youth. And um, we do online learning. So a lot of our stuff use new media to engage youth, especially since the pandemic had hit. In 2019, a lot of schools had to transition, so we help support them um, across the country in making that transition, but we make sure that um, those new media visuals and images and things that are coming um, toward them um, look like them and also are um, very much cultural competence in what is happening within their social circles and within um, the localized area that the uh, youth are in. No, so I'm it. excited. No, oh, I'm sorry. just going to say I'm very excited to learn more about um, what the uh, what the guests are 
going to to provide because I'm also a parent of an eight-year-old African-American male, and we've had some challenges um, with how do we, um, as parents, um, articulate to schools um, to advocate for our, our young our young people as well if the school doesn't understand what cultural competence mean and how to um, engage a youth of color. So I'm very excited to be able to co-host and, and to, to learn um, today. No, love it. And so let's start the way we start. It's pretty quick, and we're going to go to break. Um, Jennifer, we'll start with you. When I said, you know, hey, Queen, I want you to come on this show, here's the title. And it's just really just your initial response to hearing the title. What was your first initial thought when you heard that title? Um, not, don't go into the second thought, but just the initial thought. When I said, hey, here's the, here's the show I want you to be on, here's the title. What did you think when you heard that question at first? You know, when I heard the question about cultural relevant, um, and especially for the parents or caretakers at school, I really felt um, as though that I would hear points about um, how to support the parent and um, how they would, you know, walk into the school and what would they see as a school that is meeting the needs of students that are underrepresented or students that are of color. No, fair enough. Uh, Aminata, if you will, Queen, just your first initial thought without going in debt. We're going to do that when we come out of the break. It's just I always start the show. Just I always like, I'm always curious to hear what crossed your mind when I sent this to you and said, here's the show title, what crossed your mind initially? Yes, enroll your child in an African-centered school or an African-centered cultural social um, organization. I love it. Um, it was my first thought. No, absolutely. Same thing for you, um, Charlton. Your first initial thought, we're going to go to break, and we'll get into the discussion after the break. Um, my first initial thought was that this is something that's much needed for uh, those educators past and present that have been doing this great work of making sure that there's culturally rich places for our kids to educate. I think that we need to spread the word and get people active so that we can do more um, for our communities and reach more uh, children and families. No, I love it. All right, y'all, we're going to break. We'll open up the phone lines coming out of the break as well where you can ask your questions. If you, any situations you have, we have perf- the perfect people to ask and consult with, if you will, uh, for this, this morning's discussion. Culturally relevant education, what can parents do? We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Please join us on the weekend of April 29th through 30th for the Key Lumbo Family Fun Fest. This event has something for the entire family with classes in African dance, art, drumming, cooking, martial arts, and many others. Kilumbo Academic and Cultural Institute hosts a series of virtual fun, games, and engaging classes in order to raise money for their students' tuition and competitive salaries for their teachers. 
Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute is an African-centered, accredited school in Decatur, Georgia. Quilombo's mission is to foster an academically excellent and culturally relevant education that produces students who are equipped to succeed globally and are committed to social justice. For more information or to become a sponsor of the Quilombo's Family Fun Fest, please visit them at quilomboschool.com. That is quilomboschool.com. K-I-L-O-M-B-O school.com. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jennifer Dunn, a special guest, Charlton Harris of Emotep Academy, as well as Amanota Umoja of Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute. For this morning's discussion question, culturally relevant education, what can parents do? Amanata, we'll start with you, Queen. Uh, I heard you, you know, your initial thought was, hey, get parents into African-centered education or at least a program, um, which is something that we often advocate here on the Mental Dialogue talk show for our community. Again, we do the hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. And so education quite often comes up. Uh, in, from the idea of uh, we, we always are attempting to raise the culture, if you will. I've been fortunate enough to visit, you know, visit your school and know the important work that you're doing and, the, in a sense, the rich cultural history that you try to provide to those children. Uh, but, again, you've been doing this work for so long, and you just came outright and said, hey, get your children in these schools. So if you will, Queen, if you can just develop that thought a little more for anyone that might be listening. Yes, you know, a part of our history in the United States since our enslavement has been to resist, all right? And so we started freedom schools as soon as we were, quote, unquote, freed from our enslavement. And those particular freedom schools taught our people how to read, write, mathematics. You know, we were trying to get people to be able to vote. And then in the 60s, freedom schools developed into something more. It wasn't just about academic excellence. It was about pursuing social justice. We realized that freedom schools were a way to get our people literally to be free, all right? And so we are in that tradition at Quilombo. We are about the liberation of black people. So everybody can't attend a freedom school, but many people can, and they just need to make that choice to invest in their children, so we invite you to become a part of Quilombo. Mhotep is on the line. You can become a part of Mhotep. There's Pearl Academy in Southwest Atlanta. We have high schools, TSK and Aya Institute, and we want you to become a part of that school. You know, eventually we will have to realize that only we are going to save ourselves which means we put our time, our energy, and our funds into developing our people. But let's say that you cannot join a freedom school. We have a program called the New African Scouts, and it's organized by the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, and you can certainly become a part of that. They do meet at Quilombo. They meet every Friday night from 6.30 to 8. Uh, They do camping, survival skills, African history and culture. But be very intentional 
about putting your children into something that celebrates our people, our history, and our culture, because America is very intentional about turning them away from our people. And the primary way they do that is through television. And we all invite them into our homes on a daily basis. So we have to be intentional about resisting America's um, um, what we call dominant narrative, which is that black people are inferior, right? And we know that we're the parent people, so we are not inferior. Everything comes from us. Okay. Montoya, you got to help me make sure I don't talk too long because you know I can go on forever. <laughs> well, right now the stuff is so good. I ain't got nothing. I, ain't, I don't want to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm going to bring um, Charlton in here and I'm going to kind of twist it for you. Got a caller that wants to get in as well, but I'm going to get to you and Jennifer before we go to the caller. Um, Charlton, if you will, again, I've explored these, this, this question various times on this. You know, we've been on, you know, just to highlight this, we've been doing this for seven years on Blog Talk but I've had a couple other runs on the radio. And so I've always revisited this question and heard the request that Amanada's made for people to, in a sense, enroll their black children in particular, right, into African-centered schools. And I recall this question being um, brought about, and I've seen it on the Internet plenty of times, but there's also, in a sense, a concern for some parents uh, about what will they learn in the African-centered school? Will my child be taught to hate white people? And, again, I'm just bringing it up because that's been a real question that's been asked. And so what would you say, um, again, to a parent who's, who's on, the, on the fence because they're concerned about that part, uh, kind of really just being avoided of the fact that these public schools are failing them? That's kind of an obvious thing, but they're still skeptical to consider taking Aminata's charge to get your child into one of these programs. Your thoughts on that, King? Um, I think that that question is part of the programming that America has done to black families um, to make them afraid to invest within their own community. So when somebody comes in and says, hey, will my child be taught to hate white people, um, what questions are you asking those historically white institutions when you go in? We ask no questions. We go in and carte blanche. We give them our kids, and we give them permission to do whatever they like, whatever they want to teach. We don't question it because we don't want to be the black person that is disruptive at a predominantly white school. So um, I I think the the question is foolish. Um, I think that as black educators, we have our children's um, productivity. We have their education. We have their heritage. We have their well-being, the best at mind. If I'm a Jewish uh, family, I don't go around questioning Jewish schools um, are, is my child going to be taught to hate other people that are non-Jewish? I think that that's the best place for my child to be. Um, education is defined as the societal transfer of knowledge and, and values to new generations. So, again, if we're not in Afro-centered in, in institutions, who's controlling that knowledge that our kids are getting? Who's telling them, uh, giving them their, their traditions and their history, and we find out that they're not getting that? So um, I think that Education is is making sure that our community is as strong as possible. Our community has the values and the tools necessary to move forward, to take charge, um, and to be successful. So if we leave that into other people's hands, um, it's not about hating another community. It's about empowering yourself is what it is. I love it. Jennifer, any thoughts, any questions, Queen? 
So I, I wanted to ask as you know, a parent um, and of a parent of an, of an African-American male, um, sometimes when I at the experiences of trying to locate a good school for my son, um, as an African-American parent, I, I didn't look to the black schools or the schools that were focused on um, what you saw, you know, I guess black-centered education because I thought that they were, and it may have been internalized oppression, but I thought that they would be inferior. How do you debunk those myths um, for parents who don't necessarily see the benefits of a, a black education or a black-centered education? Aminata, you can start, and then we'll let Charlotte answer as well. Then we'll go to a caller. Well, I'd like to begin by saying your show, Montoya, is uh, an act of resistance, and it helps to debunk what we've been taught to believe. I think one of the first things that we have to recognize is that our people in America have been taught in a way that makes us feel inferior. So immediately we feel that black schools, black businesses, black doctors, black lawyers are inferior. This was done to us very intentionally. So the first thing that we have to do is recognize that, that part of America's program has always been to make people of color and women and women and poor, including poor white people, feel like they were less than. Then I'd like to say to you that in 42 years of education and over 20 years as a professional developer, I have been, over, uh, been all over the country. You know, I also work for a company called Research for Better Teaching, which is a white organization. And I get to go into schools everywhere. California, Fargo, you know, Mississippi, I'm all over the country, right? And we think that black schools are inferior, but the reality is our children are failing all over the country. So when you talk about a school being a good school, what you're talking about is your child going to school and feeling loved, feeling safe feeling like they are excellent. That's primary. The first step in a culturally relevant education is love, right, is love. And it's very difficult for people who do not look like us to love us. You know, they first have to get to the feeling of, oh, they really are human beings. So when I go into school districts and I'm teaching teachers to be culturally relevant, that's the first step that we are full human beings, that there is nothing inferior about us, there is nothing broken about us. So when we talk again about excellent education, the first step, the primary step, is putting your child in a place where he's going to grow and thrive because we know that he was designed perfectly. We know that the creator made him excellent, that there is nothing inferior about him. And then the teachers in many African-centered schools, now this is not true of all schools, right? This is not true of all private schools. But the teachers at Kilombo, and I'm sure at Imhotep, these people are trained to be excellent. So we're not just saying love black people. We are saying that. But we're also saying that you need to be a master 
of the science of teaching. So, you know, many teachers have the art of teaching, which means they connect with children, but they really don't know how to get children from A to B to C to D. But at Key Lumbo, we're a professional development school, so that's what we pride ourselves in. If your child is excellent, we can make sure your child is challenged. If your child has been wounded by the public school system, and many of our children have been, we can help your child develop his skill set, her skill set, so that they love school, love learning, and love themselves. Yeah, that's, love. that's actually a lie that we've been taught. No, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Go ahead, Jennifer. Go ahead, quick, 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 Jennifer. No, no, I was just going to say I just love the premise of love. And, and, and I think that that is so important for our children is the first is the acceptance and that they get excellence and the expectation. So I, I hear you. Thank you. Charlton. Yeah, absolutely. And if I could jump in on that question, um, I would say that when people are have that idea in their mind, they fail to realize that these schools are full of black parents. Um, that are themselves either raising black boys, raising black girls, um, giving into their community and uh, volunteering for culturally relevant activities and things like that. I myself have three children, two boys and two girls that all came up through MOTEP Academy. Um, my uh, oldest son also attended Akaban Institute with uh, Professor Baruti. And, and, you know, it's, it's just interesting, you know, somebody's like, well, is this the best place for my child? And it's like, it was the best place for my own child. Um, we mm-hmm. raise black children. So when it comes mm-hmm. to their, their, their social um, and emotional mm-hmm. well-being, this is stuff that we're dealing with as black parents. So we're not just educators. We are black parents. And yeah. so if your yeah, child so. comes in feeling a little bit down because of something uh, in many cases, we can relate to that as, as also black parents, not just black educators, but as black parents. So these are things that, as people look at it, again, we've been programmed um, to always question ourselves in the community. Um, and education in Atlanta has been uh, uh, amazing. You know, let's go all the way back to Florence Jackson Academy and in Roma and places like that. Um, Gate City Heritage with uh, Sister Woody. Um, we've had amazing places in Atlanta, and and when it comes to us, we have questioned them, and we've questioned them to the point of failure in some places because too many people are on the outside questioning, uh, but we're driving out to Sandy Springs and Dunwoody and filling up institutions that that uh, they just they're okay with your children coming because your children bring resources, um, but they're not built to honor our children. They're not built to teach our children. They're not built to grow our children. Um, so we just find ourselves assimilating in those places. So um, that's the best question is that we, too, have black sons and black daughters. And, no, I love that. And I think that's important for people yeah, to understand. No, that's critical. I'm glad you brought it to the table. Um, and if I could just even highlight as I listen to you, just to throw it out for anybody listening. So uh, once a narrative is kind of set in stone, what happens, and just just want people to be aware, because naturally, obviously, uh, to a degree, both um, Charlton and Aminata obviously run their schools, and I wouldn't have brought them on if they weren't excellent, so let me start there. Uh, but in hearing Charlton highlight the history here in Atlanta of the schools that have done these dynamic things, well, yes, 
uh, if you have a narrative, then anytime a, just a piece of a report supports that narrative, then you can jump to the narrative because there's no investigation on it. So, Jennifer, I thank you for that question because you're saying, hey, here's my, here's my, here was my real-life experience, and I kind of went to the narrative. And so it's time for us, in my opinion, to become aware of that narrative. And just like you spend time trying to live at where a good, quote, unquote, good school is, uh, you might want to research and you'll find amazing schools, uh, public schools and private schools with, with the love that you're hearing here. We're not even looking that way because we've bought into the narrative. Jennifer, one more thought before I go to the caller. It's funny. Um, so I, I was just going to ask um, or just say, just make a recommendation. I would love as we go into the next sec- um, um, section of the, the talk is to talk about professional development. And you had talked about um, professional development, how you help train teachers. And I think that's a good piece for parents to understand what does that look like? How do you help a teacher who's a new teacher or a teacher that is not a teacher of color to support, to show that love, to also show that piece of excellence, but also show culturally relevant pedagogy for, for students and what that looks like. Oh, no, I love that. Let's do that after the break, um, just so that we can kind of start on it right. So what I'm going to do is we're going to go to a quick break. We'll go to the caller, and then we'll open up with that. Great question, um, Jennifer. We'll be right back. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. that day Mr. West became invisible and so we began to go through the process of trying to identify what is it that causes young African American males to disengage from school what is it that they're experiencing and we found out the number one factor contributing to disengagement is our young African American males do not make the critical connection between education and their future financial well-being. In other words, how is the stuff you're teaching me in school going to get me paid? How is an A on a report card equal a $100 bill? Because I guarantee you one thing, that there are always two things on a child's mind who comes from poverty. And those two things are food and money. I'm hungry. I need to eat. I need money to buy some clothes. And if you can't tell me how education is going to get me one or the other or both, I may disengage. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, culturally relevant education, what can parents do? Special guest co-host Jennifer Dunn, as well as special guest Amanata and Charlton, uh, both uh, founders and owners of African-centered schools, Charlton Imhotep Academy, as well as Amanata Kalimbo, Kali, I'm sorry, Kalimbo, Academic and Cultural Institute. If you want to get in on the call, you have to give us a call at 646-787-1691 and press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Let's go to a caller that's wanting to get in right now. Area code 314, last 3953. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Well, this is your friend. Montoya, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, Brother Fiatti? I thought that was you. I ain't seen the number in a while, so I was like, I don't want to take a chance just in case it was somebody else out of St. Louis. But thanks a lot, King. What you got for us? You 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 done some work well, in the area. As well. I, you I'm in the South. I keep this number. But no, the, 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 I've been dealing with the issue of the teaching of African American students from being a member of the National Black United Front. I was a field director, field coordinator for African Center Curriculum for the St. Louis chapter. That period goes all the way back to the 1970s with Bedford Stew in New York. And it was a great demand for that type of cultural education back then, coming out of the boycott, the sit-ins, and California universities for the students demanded African studies and black teachers teaching them. Then out of that came the African Senate moving into the public schools. The brother there with Imhotep Academy, I'm sure he remembers that very well. And when that wasn't successful, they came up with the Conference of Independent Black Institution, which had about 70 schools across the country. You know, out of all that I've seen, and I heard somebody mention Roma, uh you had independent schools that had to go charter, like Roma in, in Detroit, Timbuktu in Detroit. You had Imhotep Academy that did not start in St. Louis, uh, Treasury Douglas in St. Louis. One of the things that's pressing uh, Montoya is the money. That's why I'm a strong supporter of school choice with vouchers where parents can put their children where they feel and think is best for them and their long-term educational goals and prospects. And I think there needs to be a strong movement toward the legislation where that can come into fruition. Culture things, schools are good but the parents need to have the ability to make the choice, then you have to be able to fund these schools. You can't have teachers on welfare or working on assistance and being paid under the table like many instances that have. Support them when they're there and make sure that they strive. That's what I have to say. All right, thank you for your three cents. Once again, Brother Piaki, I'm interested in hearing what our guests have to say about before we move to Jennifer's um, question about you know, professional development of the actual in- instructors themselves. So any thoughts on uh, either one of you, um, Charlton or Amanada, y'all can jump in and give me your thoughts to our, our, our callers' uh, three cents this morning as we call opinions here on this show. Well, absolutely. I, I didn't hear his name. What was his name again? Brother, brother, brother Piaki. Piaki? 
Yeah. Uh, I I appreciate everything that he says. He's absolutely right. You know, he's absolutely right. Um, our our parents do need the ability to choose where their school, uh, children go, and the government should be paying us. The government should be paying reparations. He's also right that money has always been a problem, you know, and I have to constantly pray about this, Montoya, so that I don't become resentful because our people actually have a lot of money. <laughs> You know, now, certainly many of our people are poor, but many of us have a lot of money. And we dine, and we dress, and we drive, and we travel, but we don't give $25 a month to a freedom school. And so this is something that we have to uh, really choose to do. We have to decide we're going to build our institutions Yes, I want the government to be able to give parents the choice to go wherever they go, wherever they want to go. But I know the government is really not invested in our welfare as a people. All you have to do is watch the basic news to find that out. So we have to make the choice to put our dollars, our time, and energy into our institutions. Um, my daughter is the director of Kilombo, Tashia Umoja Mkanga, and she really works the money for us. Because Montoya, I, I, the school wouldn't have been open, right? Because I would let everybody come in for free. And freedom schools aren't free. You have to really invest in our institutions and in our, and in our schools. And we can't wait for the government to do it. We've got to still fight for it. We've got to still fight for reparations. But we really have to tap into our own power, the power of our creator, the power of the ancestors, so we can build our own institutions. Look up CIB, C-I-B-I, to learn more about independent schools. CIB, okay, thank you for that resource. Uh, let me challenge uh, what you're saying just again to 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 push out the thought. But I'm gonna let Charles to answer it. You're gonna you're gonna hate me for this, Amanada, because you're gonna want to answer this. But I'm gonna let Charles to answer this. And so uh, and you're definitely gonna want to come right back at me. But we got to get to Jennifer's excellent question as well. Uh, so as we're hashing this out, so it is often quite natural. As much as you're, for example, Amanada talking about the money that our community has or certain people in our community have, um, you're right, $25 to a freedom school um, doesn't, in a sense, seem like much if you're doing okay. The unfortunate reality is it's human nature to want to put that $25 into your own child if they're not attending that type of school. So um, while it's a, it seems like a simple ask, I do understand individuals pouring into their neighborhood and where they are versus a secondary. And, I'm, and, and it's not that I, this is my own thoughts. I'm just challenging it because I want to hear this, hear y'all respond to this. So while we would love for more people to do it, I do get more people not thinking about it as much because other cultures are, for the most part, to a degree, relying on those government schools now, the, uh, obviously, the Jewish community obviously is very, very um, particular about where their children go, but they're also pouring into the school that their children are going to versus being asked to pour into a school that their children might not go. Your thoughts on that, Charlton? Again, just challenging it for those who don't, who never think about giving a twenty-five dollars to a freedom school, if you will. Um, I I agree. That uh, our, we're we're taught to give to our churches, and that's that's one thing that we're taught from uh, 
from childhood if we're raised in the in the religious sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not taught to support our communities and our schools. That's something that's probably the, the worst possible thing um, within our black community is the lack of support. Uh, but it also has to do with the historical bias against people of color in the United States. So when we talk about um, us as a people, uh, there were successful school systems. They were burned down along with the whole city, along with the businesses, along with the infrastructure that were shining examples to other uh, African communities in America as to this is what we do to be successful. They've been torn apart um, and and taken off the face of the earth over and over again, and that's the history that that they don't teach. That's the history that they don't want to teach because they want you to think that for somehow schools and black communities are broken. They want you to be distrustful of them. They want you to think that that uh, they'll never be as good as this white institution, so therefore take your child there instead. Uh, but what they're not telling you is that how these institutions are financially disenfranchised. Um, MOTEF has been a tuition-based only school. As a member of Georgia Independent School Association, when I talk to historically white institutions and they're like, you've never funded, been funded by anyone? And I'm like, no. And they're just like, how do you operate? They don't understand that because that's not the role model that they use. So as a community, we have to realize that our dollars have to not only raise our families, but they have to fund our communities. They have to do those things that um, allow us to build from the inside out and stop expecting other people to. And you talked about the the question from Jennifer. I'm going to go real militant on you on that one. Um, I'm biting at my lip to get to it, so I'm going to be quiet so that we can move forward. And get no, to jump time. into it right now. Let's, write, let's, let's, go ahead and, let's go ahead and move into it. You bite at the lip, do it right now. Yes. Let's jump right into it. Did, so the question was, how, how, how can we bring in teachers? Hold on Go one ahead. second. Hold on. Yeah, let Jennifer. Yeah, I think that's Jennifer. Go ahead, Jennifer. Before we move in, because I know that that can open up a lot, the professional development piece, I do want to talk about um, the support of these, um, you know, black-centered schools or culture-centered schools. Um, one thing I know, I'm not in the Atlanta area, and I know you both are both based in the Atlanta area. I'm in the Washington, D.C., DMV area. And sometimes, whether it's a black business or it's a black school um, or independent school or charter school that has that concept. Sometimes it's hard as a black community because we have, a, you know, just as Atlanta, we have a large population of people who can support black schools, who look like the people in the black schools, but sometimes the awareness isn't there. And I don't know how the marketing is, and even though I understand we can work within, but also sometimes it's like, well, I want to go ahead and patronize a black business or I want to give to a black school, but sometimes I'm not aware. Where is my list, like uh, a list of places where I can donate and what's the easiest means to be able to donate? Is there a cash app or some type of direct donation part where it's easy for me to access the support? Because I believe that there are black families and black, you know, people don't see who have children but believe in this idea but sometimes don't know and not aware of it. And how are you making it aware before we move to the, the professional development question? May One I, thing I can say, Go ahead, I'm, okay. I'm not. Go ahead, Queen. 
Well, I was going to say that um, I mentioned CB before, which is the Council of Independent Black Institutions, and there are many schools that are listed on that. You can go to quilomboschool.com and make a donation online. That's K-I-L-O-M-B-O school.com, and all you do is click Donate. Um, Our school is both online and face-to-face. So we actually have students uh, that are in New York or in California who sign in online, and they still can benefit from an African-centered education. But spreading the word is, is very important. There's no doubt about it. We do have a marketing person, but that costs us money. So everything costs money, you know, so, but we do have a marketing person. Montoya, I do have to mention a little bit about what you said, because nope, yes, nope. Uh, our family. You can't, you can't, you can't. We got to keep the show moving. Kate, break it down. All right. Work with me, All right. Work with me, <laughs> Uh, any response to the marketing uh, talks? And and I would agree. Um, we we also do advertising, and and as my sister said, it gets very expensive, um, but it's a necessary evil. Um, we are going to put in place, uh, or not? It's already being put in place. The first time a a um, developmental office. Uh, so we will be developing out a donors page, but uh, we're bringing on somebody that's going to be. Uh, responsible purely for capital campaigns, annual campaigns, uh, uh, giving and kind campaigns. And this is something that we have to develop. This is something that as um, our counterparts that are not part of our community develop, they, this is something that has been understood by them over years. If we talk about some of our schools, they've been in business for over 150 years, and they've given each other lots of lessons on how to raise money and what it means. So for us as black institutions, we have to start sharing our resources and also teaching each other and bring each other on board about what we can do to uh, teach our communities um, what it means to support us and just teaching our parents what it means to support education in their communities. Now, it makes a lot of sense. We're actually up against the break again for the callers out there. Um, if you want to get in, you do have to press 1. The number to get in and to ask a question or give us your three cents this morning is 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one again six four six seven eight seven one six nine one and we can get right to Jennifer's question. We'll start with you, Charlton, coming out of the break. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice, it's art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. If you're interested in learning how to invest or trade properly, please go visit Black's Academy on YouTube. 
hearing great reviews for people that are taking that course and learning how to get a foundation in investing and trading. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jennifer Dunn. This morning's discussion question, culturally relevant education, what can parents do? Uh, special guest, Charlton Amanata, thank you both for being on. Charlton, if you will, go ahead and jump into it. Again, if you need to yeah, have her um, rephrase the question or make sure you understand the question, um, let's definitely jump in right there on the professional development of our teachers, whether they're in one of your schools or in a public school needing that, that, that development. Go ahead, King. I think that if teachers are coming to a school like Colombo, a school like MOTEP Academy, they're going to get that development. That is who we are as a school. Um, that is what we require from our teachers is that they understand who we are. And in many cases, we're bringing in teachers that already understand that. Um, so that's not something that we have to teach. When we talk about schools outside of ours, and this is where I'm going to go off track a little bit, um, there's a school that I will not mention that is in Atlanta um, that cherry picks our kids from our surrounding communities. They only go for the best kids, the best families. If you're a great kid and the family doesn't have great support, they don't want you. Um, you know, and they actually have seminars that bring teachers in to teach them how they're helping, and I can only describe it as the poor black kids from underserved communities excel. So they sell this. Um, it, it, it's, it's sickening to me that somebody that's not a part of our community is going around the world saying, hey, I have the best recipe for how to teach poor little black kids when those black kids that are in your school are not poor little black kids. They come from very well-to-do homes in Atlanta. Um, they go to summer camps. They spend time at a college preps during the summer, these are not poor black kids, and that's what it's told. So it kind of goes into um, I'm a biker. I train. I ride bikes. I ride bikes in Olympics. And I say, you know what? I like to run a marathon. Can you train me to run a marathon? Somebody can train me to run that marathon, but that's not my passion. Um, teachers that don't have a passion for teaching African children um, if, if that's your passion, you teach in an Afro-centered school. So if you want me to go to a, a school that doesn't look like us and, and teachers that don't look like our community and say, but I want you to understand what it is to, to teach me, um, I just say, who does that? If, if, if you go to a restaurant to get the food that you want to get, you don't go to a restaurant that doesn't cook the food that you like and say, I like to come in here and teach you to cook food that takes the way that I wanted to taste. No, you don't. You go to the place that has that good home cooking the way that you like it. Um, whether it's fried chicken, whether it's a great vegan dish, you go to a place that has exactly what you want. You don't go to a place and argue with them. So I think for us to go to schools that don't represent our children and to expect for them to change, to expect for there to be something we can do to teach them to understand our children, I think in that case we have it wrong. We need to go to the places that we know love our children. We have to go to the places that we know are going to care. Um, when our children come in sad, we're going to put our arms around them. We're actually going to say it's going to be okay. We're going to say, hey, sit down with us, you know, let us know. And then we're going to help that child move on so that they can uh, grow up to be great individuals and great servants of their communities also. Um, 
So that's just my, I don't know. That's my answer right there. It's not no, I love correct, but that's my answer. No, no, I, I, we, got, what else, well, we outlaw political yeah. correctness on this show, absolutely. So I love yes, that sir. answer because it makes me think as I'm hearing it, and it makes so much sense. And let me allude it back to the show we did maybe a little over, it's actually about a little over a month ago, that I was a little disheartened to, to, to realize the reason we keep running into this same conversation that we've been having for 20 years about whether our public schools are failing is basically for the reason you just mentioned. But I've never thought of it that way. Like, like we keep trying to figure out how to fix, you know, basically how to get Long John Silvers to make a, a Big Mac. Like, that's literally what we've been trying to do. And that's, what, and, and that's how I hear what you're saying. Um, Jennifer, your thoughts, because that's kind of a revelation for me, because um, at all times wanting to assist our kids, whether they're fortunate enough to attend an MOTEP or, or a Quilombo, if you will, um, and, and the reality is I've always said, well, most are not in that, don't have that luxury. But I hear Charleston saying we're trying to have those schools, pick, you know, make a Big Mac at Long John Silver's. That's what I hear. Your thoughts, Queen? <laughs> So, you know, I, I agree. I think, that, I think that you all have stellar models um, that need to be um, shown to the public schools because not all students go to an independent school within the area or they can't travel to the independent school that may be in their area for, and I'm using, of course, I don't know the Atlanta area, but I know for some students um, in our area, Sometimes transportation is an issue and it's a challenge, so they have to go to the neighborhood school or the school within the neighborhood that may be walking distance because there's other challenges or barriers. Regardless if a, a parent is a have or have not, it's just because traffic is just really bad here and it's just hard to travel to work and then to, you know, travel to across town to get your child to whatever school needs to go to. So we have to. You know, there's, we have to think about all of the systems that take place within, you know, a family dynamic. And so I, I do think that it's really important to how can we take the things that you all are doing that are successful and help other institutions become more like your institution or grasp the golden nuggets that you have. Um, that you're doing well. And I know that that's hard because you're the independent school. You're saying, hey, come to us. We have it. We have the answer. We can support students. But what do we do for the masses of students that need the support and don't have teachers that come to the school because they see the mission statement and they see the vision statement? So what do we do about those other students? Uh, Jennifer, real quick, aren't you doing some of that work with your company, if you could even highlight it, and, you know, what type of results are you seeing? If I could just kind of turn it back on you just to highlight uh, what you're doing with uh, um, Buna Food. So we do a lot of professional development, and we also do customized uh, customized development of e-learning courses for K through 12th grade. And we predominantly, most of the work that we do is in public education, whether it's public charter schools, nationally, or within um, a school district. And we're supporting thousands of students or 10,000s or hundreds of thousands of students, but we're creating 
culturally relevant, customized. We're first going into the organization and we're doing a front-end analysis to see where the gaps are and also see where the asset base, because a lot of the things that we do is providing asset-based curriculum, but also putting some social justice tenets within the curriculum that might be a standardized academic or advising curriculum. And so, um, and a lot of times, they're just not able, it's the lowest hanging fruit that you can even think of because we're working in some large urban areas is that they don't even have the time to even, um, or they haven't put the money or the time into um, providing that type of curriculum, and sometimes they just don't know how to do so. And so they need that professional development. And even though, um, you know, it's not a school that is looking at a, you know, applicant-centered approach, they want that. They want to support students in some ways um, to, um, to support them in having some type of um, curriculum that supports students of, you know, uh, underrepresented backgrounds. So let me and so bridge. I oh, go ahead. Go ahead. To say two things. Um, I think that, you know, what you're doing in the schools, I feel like these are examples that need to be put up and to be shown. Like there, I'm sure that you have a marketing person, but what type of white papers or research um, are around the things that you're doing. And I know that there's research out there already, but what type of research are happening within your classrooms and how can that be, you know, put out to the masses in some way um, to be able to use even the smallest part of love and what does love look like? I mean, it's sometimes the lowest hanging fruit that are, that are happening at these institutions where it's so sad and it's just so challenging to see that, we need to see what you're doing and being put on a pedestal. And I know sometimes it's difficult because of the marketing and the funding and all of that, but we, we need to see what you all are doing so others can do it as well. So let me bridge some of what I'm hearing with Charlton. We've got another call, a caller um, that wants to get in as well. So, and, and, it's, and it's not about a right or wrong. I'm just dialoguing through the thought process. So, um, Correct. Amanada says she does consulting, which is kind of her work to do exactly what you're talking about, Jennifer. Um, you have your organization, as you said, that are, you know, putting in culturally relevant um, strictly through media. But even you mentioned that to a degree, even the low-hanging fruit, low fruit aspect of being able to do it, there's no funding. And just like us as individuals, despite what we might say we ideally want, um, if I if I see what you spend on, I know what you really care about. And so I'm just walking through this dialogue because I want to be cl clear. This is what I heard Charlton say more so than than anything. It what so, you're asking. So my what you're if, asking, if, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Go ahead, jump in, King. If if if, if I get in there real quick, so basically uh, on Jennifer's point we got to have advocacy in our local schools, and that advocacy starts with parents. Parents have to organize. They have to find the second parent that's willing to stand with them, then the third, then the fourth, and they go to that school board. They go to that principal. The principal has to be in place, and they have to drive the fundraising that they can go to people like Abna, and they can hire her to bring in her consulting into their schools. But it has to start at the school level. This is what is done in other schools. So if we're not willing to do it, um, we have to go past just the, the, the question is that we know the answers. 
we have to organize at that base level, at that school, and we have to drive it. When we go into white institutions, parents run these schools, period. It is no question about it. They, from the principals that are hired to the principals that are fired, if they don't like you, you will go. So we have to do that in ours. Our black parents have to organize. They have to drive the school to do the things. They have to raise the funds necessary to bring in these consultants and get things done because this is what other communities are doing. So if we just keep thinking that for some reason we cannot do what everybody else in the country is doing within their own community, within their own ethnic group, within their own races, racial backgrounds, um, or even spiritual backgrounds, what the Christian church does, what the Catholic church does, um, then, then we're taking away our own power as, as African peoples that we're already admitting to failure. So, no, we have to take that, that torch and we have to push forward, and, and we have to realize that if we're not controlling our schools, no one is going to come save our schools. That's why Colombo is there. That's why Imhotep is there, because we realize no one is coming and save us, and we've been able to do it. But as um, my sister says, it costs tremendous amounts of money to do this. And in most cases, we're, we're barely meeting our financial needs to get it done. So it costs tremendous amount of money. And at the local level, the neighborhood school, parents must organize. You must have a principal in place that believes it. And with those people in place, you can drive your school board to bring in the resources because there's tons of government money um, for uh, teacher support and school support. Um, it's just that sometimes people say, well, that looks too black. And there's no such thing as it looks too black. This is a part of our community, and we just need to push it in place. No, I love it. We are at the top of the hour. We've got a couple of callers that want to jump in. Um, Jennifer, definitely want to hear your response. Um, great question again, Queen. We'll be right back. We're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the Connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance. 
along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jennifer Dunn, our special guest for this morning's discussion question. Culturally relevant education, what can parents do? It's Charlton Harris from MOTEP Academy, as well as Amanada Umoja of Kalimbo, Kalimbo, I'm always messing it up, Kilambo Academic and Cultural Institute. We have a couple callers that want to get in. Oh, just lost one of the callers. Well, maybe we took too long. Let's go to Emil. I think you're in the DMV area as well. Uh, thanks for calling in, Emil. What you got for us, King? Hey, uh, good morning to you, brother. How are you today? Doing well. Right on. So um, I'm going back a little bit in the conversation to the curriculum and the things that we can present to our children that help them grasp the multiple disciplines needed to be a healthy, vibrant student. Because uh, a lot of what we're, what we're talking about is in primarily white institutions, the curriculum doesn't include us. It doesn't show us as part of the vibrant fabric of history, of science, of culture, of art. And so what, um, to remedy that, um, and to address it directly, I'm not going to be an educator. I'm not, that's not my uh, talent. But these people on, that you have on the show, they're incredibly talented educators and they're incredibly well-trained educators. And what I want to do is give them resources that they can use to teach multiple disciplines. So uh, my co-creator, uh, Dr. Gladys Akuna, and I wrote a play about Henrietta Lack and Dr. Stella Adedevo uh, called Return of the Goddess. And it allows students to learn about these two fantastic women, uh, one who actively gave her life in, in, in service to Nigeria to prevent an Ebola epidemic, and the other who passively gave her life to science because her cells were stolen from her. And we've woven a tale with these two women at the center that allows children, especially in high school, uh, to learn about not only the, these two women, but learn about medical ethics, to learn about the science of Ebola, to learn about uh, how to have a healthy debate, how to use the fundamentals of multiple, multi, uh, excuse me, multidisciplinary education in order to build up their self-esteem, build up their presence in the sciences, in the arts, in ethics, in medicine, and help these children not only connect with these characters, these figures from the past, but also see themselves as vibrant parts of the academic tapestry that is teaching them from which these lessons are drawn. Now, I love it. Just to be clear here, I asked the Bill to call in because I knew that he had put together this play. And um, um, just so y'all know, um, I'm not in charge that I was actually going to have him read 
have y'all him reach out to y'all prior to this show. And once I was putting this show together, I was like, brother, come on, explain what you're doing with the play, uh, because these educators might want to have an opportunity to understand exactly what you're doing. Um, as the previous PSA you just heard at the top of the hour that says, hey, we're more than just a talk show. We dialogue and connect. And so I thought this was a great opportunity to connect y'all with Emil, if you will. So, um, so, you know, so what you're hearing was pretty much planned, but I wanted y'all to hear it for the first time. So I'm interested in hearing y'all thoughts. Um, just hearing about this, it sounds like a wonderful project that Emil and his co-writer, if you will, um, co-author, if you will, of this play uh, have put together. So any thoughts from either of you, just again, wanting to present this intentionally to both of you as possibly an opportunity for students in the future? Well, anytime we can teach our children about our history and our culture, it's it's important. And so uh, having a play, I think he said the play was called The Return of the Goddess. I'd definitely be more interested in hearing about that because we want to make sure that our children are exposed to all of our history and culture, which we're not being taught public school. You know, we're not even being taught that in college, on college levels, unless we are looking, unless we're going for African-American studies classes or Africana classes. So I'd definitely be interested to hear more about the play. Absolutely. I I do, and Montoya, unless you stop me, my number is 404-992-8021. Because the question came up about professional development, and that's what our business, Umoja Education and Cultural Services, that's what we do. We provide professional development in the uh, art of culturally relevant instruction. So we go into school systems, which are predominantly white teachers, white female teachers teaching children of color to teach them how to teach culturally relevant lessons. And the first step is to love. Love yourself and love the children. But that first step is normally also the first block. Very powerful, powerful. Um, Charlton, any response to um, our, our caller email before I get to another caller? No, I, I uh, uh, will reflect exactly what was said, is that any opportunity that we have to bring additional information to our children is also great. Um, at MOTEP Academy, one thing we didn't want to do was to separate our families based on personal beliefs and, and religions or spiritualities or how they eat because our, our African community in America is very diverse. So we wanted to make sure that we can provide great education and, and great more value to children without separating that. So we're always open to everything and anything that represents us um, on the worldview, not just in America, but on the worldview, because our children having a deeper understanding of themselves is what creates great students and uh, and makes a great education. Yeah, it sounds like this play, Emil, um, that will do exactly that. So I'll make sure you um, – well, I'm mean, I just gave you her number, and I'll make sure – um, I get you connected to the Charleston as well. Thank you for your three cents, King. I'm gonna get to another caller. You know how to get back in if you decide to. Yeah. Are you good, King? Just checking before I let you go. Oh no, this, I, I will tell you this, and, and there's no controversy here. There's no daylight between what these educators are trying to do and what I'm trying to do by presenting this play. But I will, um, I will say this to these educators that y'all are. Um, it, I wish I didn't have to see you as heroic 
but you are, and I appreciate y'all for stepping into this giant gap that we must fill as a community. This giant gap is not just that our children are not being educated, but they're not being educated about themselves. So we have to remember that every chance we get to fill this gap, whether it's as a content creator, as an educator, as a parent, as a, a member of the community, just encouraging, perhaps uh, donating money without really having, even if it's not a lot, $15, $20 makes a difference. Anywhere we can fit, fill this gap, we need to start thinking about how we're going to fill this gap because our children need better education, they need more content, they need more access. So I'm just here to help fill that gap in the way that I can. And if we all keep filling that gap the way we can, wherever we are, we will close that gap and perhaps get more of our children in touch with themselves and help them become more stable in our community because they know who they are from the outset of their education. No, I love it. Thank you for the great three cents, King. Um, again, you can get back in if you need to. Let's go to area code 661, last three, 362. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hi. Okay, so my name is Ty, and I'm calling from California. Um, I have more so a question. I'm very fascinated by this topic. I'm a doctorate student, and this is a lot of my research focus, which is on improving education outcomes for African Americans, and specifically those with disabilities. And so I, I'm really loving the, uh, this, this, the discussion, but I had a question in regards to um, – one of the speakers mentioned how in, like, other communities, how they kind of, like, more, the parents run that school. And what I'm still trying to figure out is what are, like, is it just through fundraising or is it just through going through, like, the board meetings? Like, specifically, what are their tactics and, like, what stance are these parents in other communities basically using? Are they saying, I'm going to take my kid out of this school and I'm going to go here? Um, do they predominantly come up with the fundraising? And if you guys can talk a little bit more about that, I guess so I can kind of better understand, I'd, I'd greatly appreciate it. Charlton? And I'm sorry, I missed the tail end of the question. I'm over here multitasking. Our kids are um, at a project with Georgia Links right now. They're in a Lego competition uh, with the oh, Atlanta chapter of Georgia Links. Uh, and, and that's why, um, so why you're a hero, Charlton. The, the last caller called you a hero. <laughs> that's why you're a hero. You on my show. You doing the Lego competition. You, you lazy bum. You why you only have one job. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, true, no, you're a true jobs. American hero yeah, right here, y'all. Yeah, he's like, father's um, not stop. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hey, I can, uh, I'm a if you want to jump in and just give him a little quick break and let him come back once he's kind of uh, together, that's cool. Whatever makes sense. You, you know, I am not an expert on what white parents do to run their schools. <laughs> I, I really am not. I mean, even when I was in public school, I taught in black and Latino schools. You no, know, uh, what I could say is, is that you can demand more of schools if you do go to the, the, the PTA meetings, if you have to work and you can't talk to the teacher, email the teacher. I remember this older brother when I was teaching at Eastlake Elementary School here in Atlanta, and um, I don't believe that he had a lot of education. I know he did not have a lot of money, but he was always there. He'd, all, he'd come to the school. He'd visit the classroom. 
I think our, it's critical that our parents tap into their power, and we've not done that yet. You know, we drop our, our children off, and we just trust the school, and that is a mistake. You know, we right. have to really demand that our, our teachers teach our children a culturally relevant lesson. And all you have to do is call them or email them or show up and say, what are you doing to show our children about African history and African culture? What are you doing okay. to teach about resistance? What are you doing to teach it? To, to, what lessons do you have that teach the children that Africans are the parent people? Just be present. Show up. Email. Call. Mm-hmm. You know, um, no, we need it. to tap into that power. No, yeah. we definitely are just leaving it to the education system culturally. Is, again, not every parent. Every parent cares about their child's education, but there right. are some, many in the situation that just showing up could be the presence. Um, I definitely want Charlton to jump on this, but I'm a, we're going to go to a break that gives him a little more time, and hopefully he'll be able to kind of give us a thorough a- answer about what he's seen to answer Ty's question even more particular. So um, we'll be back from break, and hopefully uh, we can get some more particulars from Ty on her question. All I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mentor Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Again, we are much more than just a talk show. Excited to be partnered with Making Money Matters LLC with Ashley Thomas. Uh, once a month, every second Monday, we do. It's where money and mental health meets. So make sure you are following us on our Facebook or IG page where we advertise our Making Money Matters. You have to DM us to be a part of that discussion once a month. We have been making a world of difference in, with people on their mental health and finances because they typically go hand in hand. With that said, this morning's discussion question, culturally relevant education, what can parents do? Special guest co-host Jennifer Dunn from Bunafu, as well as our educators, Charlton Harrison, Harris, I keep saying Harrison, sorry, and Aminata Umoja. If you will, Charlton, hopefully you can come off break if you got a second to kind of answer those particulars to this uh, caller who's saying, hey, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like um, and it, is, it probably would help to, as, as, as Amanada said, what these other parents are doing to run, th- run their schools. If we can figure out some of those tactics, it probably possibly could be very helpful in this area. Um, Charlton, if you're free, I would love to get your three cents on that at this moment. Um, it, and uh, hopefully I'm answering this correctly. And if not, Ms. Ty can also come back in and, and re-say her question. Um, I'm thinking that the question is what can parents do to get more out of their schools if they are in predominantly white um, situations, and the the only real answer is that you can move your move to a better school or a different school. Um, we just recently had a student come from Kentucky. Um, she is a seventh grade student, and this is the first time in her life she's ever had a black teacher. She was just so excited to be at MOTEP Academy because she said, I never had a black instructor my entire life. To me, that's crazy um, just to never have ever seen a black teacher. 
and in most cases she was almost the only white a black child in her class so she is excited the school can literally do no wrong um she's just super excited um and what we got to realize is that when we are in someone's environment um they're not interested in changing their environment they have the perfect environment that they already believe is there for their children for their community um they can do things to to uh, I don't have the word right now to, uh, you know, pacify us. You know, they can say, okay, yeah. Let me, let me challenge you a little bit, Let me challenge you a little bit. Let me okay. challenge you a little bit because um, okay. I, I, have, I have an example of what you just said where I've seen some a child from Europe, if you will, switch to the Uhuru Academy. Remember, you called in on that show a month ago when we, when we were featuring the Uhuru Academy. And, um, her yeah. mother was, being, you know, said exactly what you're, what you're saying. This child from Kentucky is saying, like it was, she, she, she was just so blown away. She took her child out of school, moved to the states, and now um, has, you know, her child in the Haru Academy. So I've seen a real life example of what you're talking about. But where I want to challenge you is, you were the one that said, "Hey, parents control schools." So now, if that is somebody's right. fight and they're not able to move them out. What does that look like? Because I think that better answers Ty's question. I'll let her jump back in for clarity purposes. But you were the one that offered that parents should be taking and running schools and asking for things. So what does that look like for maybe a parent who basically just, as Amanada said, leaves it to the school because they're working all the time? What does it look like for some of the parents to organize? What does it actually look like? There, there has to be a parent organization. There has to be something within the community. We have to find the time. We have to find the place. Um, we have to have a group of us with similar beliefs, with similar um, focus in order to get it done. If, 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 if my focus is to be vegetarian and if everybody around me loves a good steak, um, I'm, I, I can preach all day, but eventually I'm going to preach on a lot of deaf ears that are like, we're not interested. Along the way, I may turn one or two people, but um, the majority of people are going to be like, hey, we eat steak. So, you know, that's nice that you're a vegetarian. We're just not interested. So um, while we can advocate, we have to have a place that's comfortable to advocate. And this is why, you know, I don't want to keep talking about other institutions and other races, but um, Jewish people are not out of the Jewish community advocating. What they do is that they make sure their community is as strong as possible. We see attacks on critical race theory now. Why? Because predominantly white communities don't want any additional education on, on the African community in America and what racism has done to it. You know, the 1619 Project is something that will, you know, go to great lengths to change the narrative on uh, what it has meant to be black in America, and uh, they're passing laws to keep that from happening. Um, so and what those laws are saying to the general public is we're not really interested. We can accommodate you. Uh, we can make you comfortable. We can put you at the front of the classroom instead of the back of the classroom, but we're really not interested in hearing what you have to say or changing the narrative. So parents can get together to change the narrative, but you also have to have a place where you can do that. And most of the time it's in our community schools that look more like us and we have the power to change our community schools. But if our community doesn't represent us either, I uh, do realize that Atlanta is a benefit. I'm from New Jersey, lived in California, Denver. 
we don't always have the benefit of having a community that looks like us, but Mm -hmm. that means that we got to pack, we got to get up and we got to go to those places that do look like us so that we can empower ourselves and empower our community to do the things that best represent our family um, and our children. Let me go to the caller. Let me go to the caller real quick. Um, okay. Ty, I just wanted to make sure that we were, um, that, you know, I don't know if we just want to make sure we captured what you were looking for. And I'm not saying we gave you the answer. I just want to make sure we were at least attempting to answer what you were asking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I got even more. Um, and, and Cause I guess what I'm trying to ask is, um, like basically, how do these other communities? Um, ex- you know, what are they negotiating? So, like, what do they have of value that they're basically negotiating with these schools um, to get to get their needs met, even if they're doing it within their own community? And so, is it specifically are they doing fundraising? So it's like a money thing, or are they using the stance of I'm going to just take my kid out? And so, I guess I'm trying to figure out. So, like. I'm trying to figure out the tactics that other mm-hmm. people use. Um, so, so even if we go, okay, so we're all in an African American community, um, how do we kind of get this needs met? Like, is there like a framework of that strategy, or do you know some tactics? Um, so, like, we can kind of start there, and then of course, there's going to be other ways that other people would have to negotiate. Uh, other African Americans would have to negotiate if they are outside of those communities. That may look different, but right. but any type of negotiation tactics, I would love to kind of hear about. It. I think it'd be really valuable. Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, chip in. Yeah, yeah, I understand, okay. Queen. I, got, I just got to, you got to work with me, Queen. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you get in. Jennifer, go ahead, Queen. No, I was just going to add, you know, I think that there are tactics that they're using that, um, that we don't necessarily uh, push as hard enough on. For example, sometimes they'll create an uh, organization within the school that might be a 501c3. They'll actually get the designation for 501c3 within the school so then they could do fundraising and then they have a pot, a pot of money. But they, they formalize mm-hmm. it sometimes in ways that we don't necessarily formalize it that I have seen. And this is on my very limited you know, experience, but as a parent, that's what has happened within schools that, you know, my my son goes to is that they formalize, they say, okay, I'm going to have a PTA, but I'm not only going to have the PTA, but I'm also going to make it a 50C3 within the organization so then I can get donation and money and then I can create formal fundraising. And then once I have a body of money, then I can, I also then have some leverage to say, okay, this is where this money goes and this is where mm. this money can go. And then also within that uh, community, they then sometimes will um, have like uh, within, they're very, I I wouldn't say that we're not pushy, but sometimes I think we're not pushy enough. Sometimes they can be so much more pushier, they can be bullied. (laughs) in the community Mm -hmm. where they're bullying the principal or they're bullying teachers and they're pushing them out because they're just much more aggressive than sometimes than which we should be much more aggressive because sometimes our students are the ones who are not gaining from really what's happening in school. And then the other thing is, is I think that it's important that they then create alliances and they create groups within um, in which they are informally discussing and talking to one another. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an in-person group, but they're creating a what's up app. 
and then there um, or a you know a discussion group which they're a Google discussion group which they then can get information out really quickly about what's going on on the grassroots level within the school and say hey this is an issue there's bullying in second grade there's such and such having it in fifth grade what are we going to do about it and then they're all putting their thing okay we're going to write a letter here's the letter we need you all to sign the letter and then we're going to send it to the school board because now we all have a sign but it's their mobilization is a little sometimes and i want to i don't want to say they i say, i think sometimes um we're not as um we're not creating those outlets where we're quickly mo- mobilizing in that way so those are just some some of the tactics Beautiful tactics. Aminata, go ahead, Queen. Well, I just wanted to remind you all of Michelle and Barack Obama's, Michelle's brother-in-law, no, brother, whose daughter or, you know, children went to a white academy, and they had pressure, they had politics, they had money, and they put those children out. You know, sometimes our frame of reference needs to be adjusted. You know, instead of thinking about how we can put pressure on white institutions to um, fix our schools, we really need to build our own schools. The frame of reference has to switch. You know, it almost makes me feel like we're talking about, you know, uh, I'm in an abusive situation. How can I make my husband love me and treat me right? You can't. All right? So you can go to an all-white school. But in doing that, you have to be very clear that those people were not designed, those institutions were not designed for African excellence. That's one of the first things we have to be clear about, that when we put our children in that situation, we are putting them in institutions that are designed to maintain the status quo. And I know a lot of our children are stuck in public schools, and we do have to get active in those public schools, and we do have to put pressure on those teachers in public schools. But please be clear, those schools, school systems, throughout the country were designed to maintain the status quo. That's what they were designed to do. And the status quo means that white folk with money, and this is not about hating white people. This is about what's real. I mean, just just look at it. Look at the research. Study it, right? White folks with money maintain the top positions, and people of color and poor white people are – being oppressed. So we we gotta we gotta change our frame of reference. So we stop looking at them and look to ourselves for answers. Look to ourselves for power. Look to ourselves for institution building and do that thing. Or else you're gonna be beating your head against the wall. They're not going to change. Thank you for those thoughts. That might be too hard. Amen. It might be too hard, but they're not mm-hmm. going to change. Uh, we're up against our break. Oh, I'm sorry. We are up against the break, so let me go to this break. We do have a caller. Jennifer, if that was you, I'll let you come out of the break. Um, we'll be right back. Okay. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most 
it's more than a brand, it's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jennifer Dunn. This morning's discussion question, culturally relevant education, what can parents do? Uh, Jennifer, my co-host, go ahead, Queen. Um, you have some thoughts, I think, right, going, going out of the break. Go ahead and jump into that. No, I was just going to close just by that if, if the educational system isn't working, I think it is important to go ahead and transfer or leave um, and go to a place. And I think that sometimes we're afraid to do that. Like, are there other options for us? And do we need to transfer? And sometimes there becomes this you've exhausted everything that you possibly can, you're, it's time for you to leave and, and, and find a place where your child is loved and your child is getting the curriculum and academic learning that they need. Um, and, that's, and as a parent, you know your child and you know what the best thing is for the child. So um, it may be to leave and have that option and don't be afraid to do so. All right. Thank you for those thoughts. Uh, let's go to the caller. Area code four zero five, last three five four six. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, uh, this is uh, Maurice Dunn. Go by Mo. Um, I am also co-founder of Bunafu, and um, of course, you have my beautiful wife there um, doing the hosting. Um, First See, this can everybody hear me? I'm not here. Her husband come on and support, you know, the wife <laughs> when she's out here doing her co-hosting duties. See, the domestic dialogue community, in the domestic dialogue community, we, we represent black love every chance we get. This is a prime example of it. Go ahead, King. Thank you for calling in to support, uh, support, to support wife. Yeah. So I wanted to um, just touch on a couple of things. Um, uh, definitely um, from a tactic standpoint, um, you do see uh, the majority parents, um, first of all, unifying around, you know, common themes and things that they want out of the, out of the school. Um, and they will, they will do anything that they need to do 
um, you know, where there's processes where, you know, I think us as African-Americans tend to want to follow the process just because we've been kind of programmed to do that. Um, they don't have any issue going outside of that, you know, and um, going directly to the principal on something that probably should be handled, you know, with the teacher. Um, just like the, the whole Becky experience with the brother in Central Park, um, they know all the key words. Uh, you know, you throw bullying out there, uh, and all of a sudden people's antennas start to spark up, even though it may not even be uh, a bullying issue. But they'll get everybody kind of, you know, energized, and it's almost kind of like a mob-type tactic, um, and they're definitely bullying. But I do agree, um, you know, you know what you're walking into, or at least you should. Um, and when a school is not what it needs to be for your particular child, um, then you need to go ahead and make, make that adjustment. Because um, just giving you transparency uh, for Jennifer and I, um, we were in a school that um, initially was primarily African-American. Um, it, it was a public charter school. It was not an African-centered school. Um, and we felt, very, we felt very comfortable there, and James loved it and excelled there. Um, but we wanted to kind of give him some dual language uh, opportunities. Um, but this school was primarily focused on, you know, the key foundations, math, English, you know, reading, writing, all of that sort of stuff. Um, so we got attracted to wanting to get him a dual language, and so we decided to go to another school that was a lot less diverse, um, still a public charter school. Um, and he got into that school, and the environment was completely different. And, and for the most part, I think he enjoys it, but we see the, the love and passion um, that he had at the, the previous school was not there, um, and clearly the teachers were not concerned with him having that passion. Um, and so we have decided to take him out of that school and put him back into the school that we feel like is best um, for him. So in going forward, really, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of options out there. Obviously, you got to research what you need. Um, we do need unity among ourselves. I think we know what our kids need um, in every aspect, uh, and we need to take the time to, you know, support every endeavor that we can that is pushing our children to, to love education and to love learning. Uh, and that may mean um, going against what you feel like your kid needs uh, in a sense of, you know, this will look really good and he'll be very educated and all that sort of thing um, to really get down to the bare tactics. And I think it goes to, to that love principle. You know, what does your child need? What is the right environment for them to be in? And then get them into that environment the best way you know how and then let them flourish. Uh, love those thoughts. Um, here's a challenge I would like to make to both of you, both of our educators, if you will. Um, and it's just the what I always hear, Charlton, when you and I dialogue, um, I always respect that ultimately your challenges to our community are about our intentions. And so quite often you'll ask and challenge our community, you know, do we even have the intention and the willingness to advocate for what we say we want? And sometimes, from, you know, from your purview, that's not always there, and I couldn't disagree with that. Um, and so ultimately – for anything that we desire, we would have to have more intention. So I want to say that very clearly. Now, the however is the reality for some, they're not thinking about it on this level, if you will, 
however they are concerned with their children or wherever there's like I can think back when well, my small town is about 20% black, if you will, or what, um, you know, um, rural Southern area or whatever. So um, even the opportunity for like where I'm from, everybody stays there or whatever, if you will. So if you leave, you've got your success just for leaving, if you will. Right. So when I think of an area like that, uh, the reality is they're not going to up and be able to get into an Africa center school because it's not offered where I'm from. So I would like to hear from y'all as educators, just options for someone like where I'm from who wants to supplement their child's education because the school, as we've already said, is probably not going to do it. So what opportunities or what suggestions do y'all have for supplementing uh, a parent, supplementing their child's education if they can't up and make the hard decision or only have the opportunity to make the decision to send their child to a school where they are loved? What What do you have for those parents? Well, I, I say to the parents the same thing, basically, that I say to the teachers that we train. Fundamentally, number one is love. And, of course, parents have the upper leg on that because they already love their children. And then we also have to love ourselves. We have to love ourselves as African men and women. And then we have to actually examine what we believe about social justice, what we believe about Africa what we believe about anti-racism. So it begins with that personal commitment to study more. And, you know, even if we get our PhDs, again, unless we get our PhDs in Africana studies, studies, we've not been taught about ourselves. And there is so much about us. It is amazing. The fact that we used to educate people from all over the world in the University of Timbuktu in Sankare. You know, the fact that the Dogon studied the stars before the invention of the telescope. The fact that Ida B. Wells was the one that basically single-handedly stopped lynching. So we have to commit to studying, you know. And then as we study, we can teach our children. Every day we can talk to them about how beautiful they are. Every day we can read a story to them at night, you know, that has African people in the center, black people in the center. You know, we can watch shows with them about our history and our culture, about our resistance. But it does require us to study. You know, I, I, I don't want to be too hard, but I'm kind of hard because I'm 64 years old. I've been all over the country teaching, and I know that it is up to us to educate our children. The only way we can do that is to study. I'd like to mention Chika Akua to you, a Reading Revolution. You can find his information online. His last name is A-K-U-A, first name C-H-I-K-E. He has a book called Reading Revolution. And no matter what your child's age is, it's really designed for middle school students, but you could use it to inform yourself and break down our history to our children, because our children are being lied to. Like if you watch the movie The Mummy, Imhotep is a monster. Imhotep was actually a multi-genius. Oh, man, he was an astronomer. He built the first pyramid. He was a medical doctor. So we can teach our children at home, Montoya. We can take Saturdays and evenings, but we really have to invest 
in our children. I have two children and five grandchildren. My grandchildren all attend Quilombo. And putting into your children, investing time into your children, it is the gift that keeps on giving. So if I can sum it up, love, love them, love yourselves, love our people. Study, 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 and then teach our children. My number is 404-992-8021, quilomboschool.com. Join us this weekend, weekend coming up, on uh, Quilombo Family Fun Festival. And I got you. you know, and learn that, right? On the next class. break, on the next break, we're going to break that down and get let you go all the way into the Quilombo. Um, Quilombo Family Fun Fest. So we're going to do that right at the next break, which is a couple of minutes. Uh, Charlton, if you will, any thoughts or add-ons to what can parents that are stuck in, for example, where I'm from, where there aren't any African-centered schools, you know, within, you know, recent, you know, um, common sense distance for them to put their children in. So what do you have for those parents? Um, I believe it first comes with the awareness that, that I need something different for my family, for my child. And with that awareness, uh, we are now have the obligation to seek where that is and where we believe will happen. And and if you are not in an area where you have direct access, um, such as the programs being uh, given by Colombo, being given by AIA Education, uh, they've had online programs for years. The brother on the previous, I can't remember the name of his institution, but they have online. So we have ways for parents that don't have local access to still get access to these Afro-centered institutions. Um, We do not offer national online. We do online locally, but you have those institutions that are doing it and give those parents access. So you just have to be an advocate for yourself. You have to be an advocate for your child, an an advocate for your household. There's no such thing as it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as it cannot happen. Uh, we have the ability to make happen what we want. And if we are the person to be the activist, unfortunately America has taught us that if you're an activist, you're going to be treated poorly. Um, you're, you're going to be accused of, of being anti-American. You're going to be looked down upon your community, your peers, and sometimes even your family members. We can't let that stop us because that has been what has been the crutch of what keeps the movement forward within our community. So, um, I challenge everyone to become an advocate for education in your community, outside your community for black children. And if that includes becoming a $25 a month donor with Colombo, please become that $25 a month donor. Uh, Colombo on their site has a donor site, which you can support their families. Go out there, support a family. If it's $5, if it's $500, you don't know how much your dollars affect private school education, um, independent school education, and just within our community. If you have only one day where you can take off from work, take off from work and spend that day within your local school and understand how it functions from the inside. Because if you don't understand how it functions, then you really can't advocate for a betterness. You have to spend a day with your child in that school. Um, And that's it. Like her, I will keep going. Um, like my sister in Colombo, so I'll stop yeah, right that, there. No, that's perfect. Still going. No, that's perfect. We're gonna do this break, and um, we come out of this break. I want to give everybody listening an opportunity, as you heard, um, Aminata mentioned the Colombo Family Fun Fest. 
want to give you opportunities to have access coming up pretty soon to um, ensure that you're supplementing your child's education. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Join us on the weekend of April 29th through 30th for the Quilombo Family Fun Fest. This event has something for the entire family with classes in African dance, art, drumming, cooking, martial arts, and many others. Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute hosts a series of virtual fun, games, and engaging classes in order to raise money for their students' tuition and competitive salaries for their teachers. Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute is an African-centered, accredited school in Decatur, Georgia. Quilombo's mission is to foster an academically excellent and culturally relevant education that produces students who are equipped to succeed globally and are committed to social justice. For more information or to become a sponsor of the Quilombo's Family Fun Fest, please visit them at quilomboschool.com. That is quilomboschool.com. K-I-L-O-M-B-O school.com. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. We are fortunate enough to have on, again, one of the founders of the Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute, Aminata Umoja. If you will, Queen, explain to anybody out there listening, if anything we've said today has resonated with you, here's a a great opportunity to ensure your child is getting a culturally relevant education with the Quilombo Family Fun Fest. If you will, Queen, break it down, how people can be a part of it, what they can expect to get, whatever you want to say about the Fun Fest, this is your time. The floor is yours. Thank you, Queen. Thank you so much. Well, please go to KI. L-O-M-B-O school.com and register for a class. So the classes are $25 a piece, but you can spend $100 and take as many classes as you want. Most of the classes are designed for the entire family. So everything is online, so you just put it online, you know, on your TV or on your computer, and the whole family can benefit. So we start on Friday night, April 29th, with Gun Safety with Brother Rashid. And then we have Metaphysics with Dr. Mark Armstrong, and that is basically for adults. We have Cake Making with Mama Indola, and that's for the entire family. It's two sessions. You bake the cake on Friday, and then you put icing on the cake on Saturday. We also have several couples online because the black family is the first step to black freedom. A strong, healthy black family, strong, healthy black love relationships, These, this is the foundation to black freedom. So we have many couples that will be coming on for lessons learned on love and marriage and commitment, and that's that Friday night, April 29th. 
We also have a class on balance for teens with Dr. Mark Armstrong. And then we end the, the evening on Friday with karaoke for everyone. So you can join us for karaoke. So even if you sign up for one class, which is $25, karaoke becomes something that everyone can do. We have a, a class on tree on Saturday. We start on Saturday at 10 o'clock, and Brother Kojo teaches tree, cake baking with the icing again. Then we have African dance. Then we have Cliff Albright from Black Voters Matter. So we actually have several classes that you can take in a block. We have preparing healthy snacks with Chef B. Histomatics by Kill Parker, and he talks about mathematics and the African contribution to mathematics. Our board chair, Mauli Davis, will do Know Your Rights. Know Your Rights. This is a period of time that we're living in, even though it's always been like this, to be honest, but the period of time we're living in when we need to know what we do when the police stop us. Then we have Afro Beats with Array M. Conga. Home Security with Baba Watani. And then many of our people have gotten interested in African traditional religion. Now, personally, I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm also an African. So to me, African spirituality is my birthright. Baba Metahochi was one of the people that brought African traditional religion to, to the United States. And so my husband, actually, Dr. Akinele Omoja, will be teaching a class on African traditional religion. We have plant gardens with Mama Nabantu and conscious hip-hop storytelling. All of these are for the whole family. How to wrap a gaylay if you're interested in head wraps. I love head wraps, but my ears are too big. African songs <laughs> with the agenicals, right? And then even understanding anxiety. And that's for the whole family. And understanding anxiety with Dr. Kanika Holloway. You know, sometimes we suffer from anxiety, and we know that. But our babies suffer from anxiety. Yes, They're like absolutely. little sponges. Yeah. And so all of those classes are available to you, and you can learn more by going to K-I-L-O-M-B-O school.com or texting me at 404-992-8021. I'd love to hear you from you, but through text. I'm not good at the phone calls, but text, I'm better. So please join us. Thank you for that, Montoya. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. Jennifer, any thoughts about hearing about the Colombo Family Fun Fest? Hope you get an opportunity to maybe join into a class here or two. And, um, um, and you know, any other thoughts you have as well. But, um, but definitely wanted to highlight an opportunity to take conversation a step further and put some action on it. And I feel like this Fun Fest is an opportunity to put some actions on what we discussed today. Absolutely. Yes, I think that's a call to action. To This is what we need to do. We need to be um, supporting and attending this event. This is exactly what, you know, African-centric education looks like and to be able to see it and to engage in it. And, and so, yes, definitely support. I, I definitely want to get the information um, from you and from um, Montoya uh, to be able to attend the event. Thank you. Yes, we'd love to have your family, Jennifer, you and Maurice and your son. Yes. Um, If you will, Jennifer, real quick, um, so, again, thank you for helping me co-host today. Um, If you would highlight 
I don't know if they're, you know, I know you do a lot of stuff with school districts, but I would like to just highlight uh, Brutal just once again before you go. Anything that people that are listening might could need to know or if they want to figure out what you're doing or, or maybe, you know, or I don't know if what you're doing could even assist these schools. But if you see that opportunity, because you kind of weave through that right now. Definitely. Um, so we are an e-learning company. We provide and support and development of customized e-learning courses, whether they're self-paced for professional development, educators, or for parents, or for students. Um, you can look at our website, which is www.bunifuelearning.com. That's www.bunifuelearning.com. Or you can give us a call at 703-655-8488. Well, that sounds good. Um, Charles, I know you're, again, doing double duty, so I want to definitely get you back um, to your Lego competition, if you will. But um, thank you for this conversation. It's been a long time coming. Um, thank you for being a platinum-level member of the Mental Dialogue Community Club. Um, we all, in a, in a sense, need that support, and I'm just glad to, in a sense, being able to, um, you know, give something back. And I know um, on that other show, and it was a Huru Academy that you were trying to mention before, um, I know you had mentioned that you were going to make a point to get over to Kilambo and make sure y'all are connected because, as you said on that show, y'all, both of y'all do not talk enough. So I'm just, just kind of me calling out to make sure that still happens because, again, that's what we do on this show. We dialogue and connect. Those are our pillars, and so I definitely want to intentionally get you connected to Colombo. But any last thoughts from you, King, I would appreciate it right now, and thank you for your time this morning. Uh, my story, I like to preach, uh, just say I appreciate you for being who you are and constantly bringing these conversations out to the open and to the public. Appreciate all the guests for being on. Um, I can also be reached at 404-245-4667 or at MLTEP, info at MLTEPacademy.net for any guests that want to further any conversations. Um, but this has just been great. Uh, with, with my parting words, we just have to, we, we have to be, uh, accountable to to our communities and to our education. So, um, if if we are not, we have to find ways to be accountable. So, um, it it can be done. If there's anybody out there that's confused, and reach out to one of us. You can reach out to Colombo. You can reach out to myself, and we can more than definitely uh, help that happen. And to my sister over at Colombo, um, please email us at info at mltepacademy.net. Your um, information on the Family Festival, and we would definitely send it out to our parent body uh, to participate also. Oh, that's beautiful right there. Yeah, that's beautiful. I would love love to see the families over at MOTEP uh, attending your your event, um, um, Amanada. So I'm so glad we did this. Um, if there's um, anything else, any important thoughts from any of you, go ahead and get it out now. i got a couple of minutes. I'm kind of going to close this out, this conversation, if you will. Um, but if there's anything that I left out or y'all needed to say before you go, um, say it now or if they say forever hold your peace. Forever hold your peace. And if you will, um, um, Jennifer, text me your, your website info so I can make sure I'm posting it with the replay of the show. Um, so anything else from anybody else or I'm going to kind of close this out? Um, Montoya, if I could say real quick, you know, I, I realize a lot of us, we don't consider ourselves Democrats or Republicans. We don't consider ourselves political. But education is under attack. Um, 1619 Project, critical race theory. If, if, if we're silent because we don't see ourselves as part of the, the, the circle, um, 
then we're forced to accept, our children are forced to accept, other black children that don't have the benefit of being in our institutions are forced to accept what is being given to them. So we, we have to be a part of this narrative. Um, the Republicans, their, their, their narrative is that black parents are not for school choice. They are not for that. And that's what they generically think as Democrats, that they generically think that all black people are Democrats. So if we're not letting our voices heard, if we're not letting them know that we are for school choice, um, that we are doing things to advocate for our community, then unfortunately CNN, Fox News is going to tell us what the narrative is. So uh, we have to get out there. We have to advocate. we got to make sure our voices are heard and, advo- and organize with other people to make sure that we're hiring um, people. We're getting those, those people elected that will uh, reflect our values in our communities and not just sitting on the background talking about um, this is not for us. We, we have to be advocates for ourselves. No, I love it. That's a great I want to thank Charleston, Charleston, Jennifer, and you, Montoya. I loved being with you this morning. It makes me hopeful that we have people out there doing this work. No, absolutely. And the highlight what Charleston was talking about, hopefully you might be available on that Saturday, Queen. I haven't, I'm, I'm King, I'm sorry, when I um, get this set up. But we're going to be doing a show specifically about, unfortunately, some of the laws that have already been passed because, if we're honest, we've been sleeping on that job, right? And so, you know, and that's what's, you know, again, as you said, we're getting narratives that are not ours. So we're going to be having that discussion soon enough. And you know, and so hopefully you can at least, you know, call in and give some pointers as I, I'm looking to have on uh, uh, a letter, legislator who can tell us the details of some of the laws that have kind of been slid under our eyes or under our noses, and we're not even aware of what can and cannot be taught in our schools now based on some of these laws changing. So that is upcoming for anybody out there listening. We'll see you all next Saturday. Well, all I ask is that you think.